Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21 says he changes. Do you know the problem with the majority of churches in America and around the world today? They cannot accommodate change. We don't like change. We are creatures, after all, of habit. Some of y'all have only been here since yesterday, and you've been in this tabernacle four times, and you've sat in the same seat every time. We don't like change. We resist with everything that's in us. As though anything about the God we serve were in any way stagnant. As if anything in the kingdom of the living Christ were stationary. I lost my appetite to search for a crowd, but I have not lost my intensity to search for a cloud. I get up every morning and say, where is it? I, I get up at the night and I walk outside my home and I, as it were, search for that pillar of fire. I cannot accommodate stagnation. I, I cannot tolerate the ordinary when I'm serving a God of such distinction. My Bible says that he changes. The times and the seasons. There is upon us tonight a transition. Slow down just let me slow down just a minute because we have spoken a lot in this great conference concerning. The fivefold ministry office gifts the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. That cloud just about the size of a man's hand. For too long we have been satisfied to move along like a crab on the sand of the seashore, not using all of our legs. Somehow or other, we have decided that the, that the only validity to the, to the, to the fivefold ministry office gives are the pastor and the evangelist and the teacher. We have, for the sake of religious conformity, separated ourselves from the apostolic and the prophetic. Therefore, the body of Christ is, if you will, out of adjustment. You ever been to a chiropractor? It's amazing what you can't do when a specific part of your body gets just in the slightest amount of variance 
from its proper adjustment and what freedom and liberty is exuded when they grab your head and you Tonight, I'm going to grab you by the head. You see, your, your Bible says that the apostle and prophet are given for the perfecting. The actual translation is the adjusting. And I never had anything feel so bad and feel so good at the same time when he grabs my head and pops my head back into the proper adjustment. Somebody's going to get a little bit uncomfortable before you get real comfortable. You didn't understand what I just said. I dare you to shout, go ahead and adjust me, preacher. He changes the times and the seasons. God is a God of timing. God is a God of cycle. God is a God of season. God is a God of people. God is a God of places. You cannot get at Beth Oven what you can get at Bethel. You have to be in the right place at the right time, but tonight there is coming a shift, a transition, an adjustment, if you will, and, but it's not an ordinary shift. It's not an ordinary adjustment. It is rather an adjustment from which there is no return. What I'm talking to you about tonight is not the normal change that you have been led into by the teacher and the pastor and the evangelist. No, 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 no. The change I'm talking about is apostolic in its authority and it is prophetic in its reality. I want to take you to a place tonight that you have never been to. And once I get you there, I'm going to burn the bridges and you're never ever going back to where you were. Shout shift. Change. Shout irreversible. Undeniable. Unalterable. Permanent. Eternal. Change. Touch somebody and tell them we're going where we can't get back from. Isaiah 43, 19 says it this way. I like this. Shout the first word of Isaiah 43, 19. Shout it. No, shout it again. Shout it one more time. Behold is the greatest word in your Bible of transition. Behold is the greatest word in your Bible of shift, of adjustment. Now, if you're satisfied with your satisfaction, if you are comfortable with your comfortability, then you have no need to hear me tonight. Make out your laundry list or play, get out your cell phone and play one of those little games. Christians play a whole lot of games. But if, 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 if perchance you not, you're not where you want to be yet, if maybe, just maybe, there was just a little bit more blessing that you thought you might be able to handle. If, If you thought there was a little more authority available, can I tell you tonight that some of us know there's more than what we've had. 
if there wasn't more than what we've had, why would he have ever said, behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. If there wasn't more than what we've been living in, then why would he have ever said the works that I do shall you do and greater works than these because, because, shout because I go to my father. Behold. Behold. Now when brothers walked in the room and saw sister with those extensions done so nice and she went just this very afternoon and got her nails did. Brother didn't see sister walk by and say, behold. And it, sister, if he did, run. We, we, don't, we don't use words like behold, do we? we? No, no. So we read these little chivalrous of tradition. We have no idea what we're even talking about. Behold, behold. We get that stammering. Behold. Here's what behold means. What the? See, when sister walked by, what the? I got to let, don't send me no letters. You wearing your crayon out. Don't send me letters. Don't send me letters. You haven't even learned to write cursive yet. Come on. Listen, don't, don't send me no letters. I know what comes after what the? What, what, what? I know what comes after what the, what the hallelujah. You thought I was going to say what the, didn't you? But I didn't, did I? Behold, God said, I will. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't put it in any other vernacular than the absolute affirmative. I will do a new thing. Shout new thing. Shout new thing. It means something that has never been exhibited before. God is about to do a new thing. And if he is, he's not just about ready to use the old you. You missed a really, really good place to shout right there. Because what I just told you is God loves you enough not to leave you as you were when you walked in this room tonight. That Touch somebody and tell them God's about to change your tongue. I'm tired of listening to that shimmy, shimmy tongue of yours anyway. Tell somebody, God about to change your shout right now. God's about to give you a you ain't ever had before. Tell somebody, God gonna, oh God, somebody gonna have to get a designated driver to get home tonight. I feel Holy Ghost intoxication filling this room right now. Shout, let's get drunk. I hope, I hope, I hope ushers have to stay till four in the morning to help you find your car when you're getting out of this place. I'm, I'm tired of that bunch outside the church acting like they're the ones supposed to get intoxicated. Don't be sitting there looking at me with your halo so crooked on your horns, acting like you never shot it, snorted it, drank it. Some of you look better when you did get drunk. 
at least then you have a smile, a dance, a shout, a holly followed by a hallelujah. I dare you slap somebody a high five and tell them, I hope you get drunk tonight. Bartender, another round. Behold, I will. Here's what he said. He said, I will do a new thing. That means he's not going to use your old prayer life, your old shout. It's time for you to get rid of. I'm telling you tonight, you're going to adjust. You're going to get rid of that learned dance, that talk tongue, that memorized shout of yours. You're going to get a new dance, a new song, a new victory, a new word, a new power, a new anointing. If I say anything close to what you think you might agree with, just go, I thank you. Give me a bottle of water, son. It's going to be a three-bottle night. God didn't tell you to quit dancing when you got born again. He just told you to change partners. Look at you. Some of you got your opera clap on. You got three seconds to take 15 seconds and lose your natural mind. Move your coffee table, dance in your kitchen, jump up and down on your bed. Somebody spin, somebody shout, somebody dance, somebody run. when God said it was coming. Isaiah 43, 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Shout the next word. Tomorrow. Next week. By the end of the conference. When I get back home, if I just pray a little more, fast a little more, sing another song, hear another choir. When? 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 When you're going to be healed? When are you going to be delivered? When are you going to throw your cigarettes away? When are your teenagers going to get saved? Ah, ah, you're about to get in a now moment. Okay, I got to hurry. Now, now, here's what it means. At this time, in this season, in this moment, Jesus came in due season. At this time, God is a God of timing, purpose, principle, cycle, season, place, person. Now does not only mean at this time, at this moment. It means 
henceforth and you see there is a seed that changes everything God created man in his own image but you know the story Right there in the middle of paradise, Adam sided with God's great archenemy. The boldest rebellion in the human family was begun. But God came way, way down into the midst of all that retrieval where man had wound his moral clock backwards and the image of God had been dashed to pieces. The locust and its great king had come and turned blossom into dust. Death had come and turned blue the lips of the children of men. The earth had seen was walled all about with great wooden gates and iron bands and there was no way out for him. There was no hope for man except to the return of the dark, dark, dark ground from which God himself had lifted him and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. No happy, laughing, splashing river of life proceeding through this planet. A river of tears as men dug holes and placed their children back in the ground from which they had been dug. There was no hope except that is for Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. For there God promised a, watch me now because I'm going to show off my education, a propitiation. Let me tell you what it actually means. It means a promise with hope attached. Hope is a favorable, confident expectation having to do with the future, unseen, happy anticipation of good. I didn't coin the phrase, but Dr. Roberts will allow me to turn it tonight. I dare you to shout at the top of your lungs, something good is about to happen to me. Now act like you halfway believe it. Oh God. Look at it, and God said to Satan, I will put enmity, make a war between you and the woman, and between what? Your what? And her what? He shall wound your, and you shall wound his. Fast forward with me, past Isaiah and Jeremiah, past Lamentations and Ezekiel, past Daniel and past David and past the Psalms, and all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way, all the way. 400 years of silence. John the Baptist baptizing in the river Jordan. Saying words like, though that there is one coming after me, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Suddenly a twinge runs up and down his spine. He drops his baptismal candidate right flat in the Jordan River. Lifts up his head, looks strolling over the Judean hills at his long Galilean hair flapping in the breeze, pointed his finger, and at the top of his lungs, John the Baptist, the forerunner of the living Christ, shouted at the top of his lungs, he did not say, behold. He said, what the? 
why there was a transition about to be made. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you step into a now moment, everything changes irreversibly and undeniably forever. I'm talking to you about getting somewhere tonight from which you can never get back. I'm talking to you about you becoming so Holy Ghost intoxicated that your own mind and body can't keep up with your spirit and your spirit has to tutor your body in how it ought to walk under an anointing that used to knock you in the floor. They kicked him and prodded him through the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem. They swung him high. The ringing of the hammer could be heard. Nails parted sinew and flesh. Muscles jerked in horrible spasm. Blood ran freely down a naked side and dripped off of his toes into bloody pools upon the earth. They planted a crown of thorns and placed it upon his head. Don't be concerned. Every transition God has ever made, he made with the power that was already resident in a seed. It is the nature of a seed to die. Peter, put away your sword. For this purpose came I into the world. A seed must travel down into the earth he went they rolled a stone in front of the door and it was over God was dead Hope had vanished. Sin would rule the crazed hearts of men forever. Except it is not only the nature of a seed to die. It is the nature of a seed to make a transitional shift from which everything changes forever. And on the third day, your Bible said, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary for to see the sepulcher. And there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven with a shout. He rolled the stone away from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning. His raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and fell as dead men. But the angel said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know whom thou seekest, Jesus the that was crucified he is not here he is risen as he said come and see the place where the Lord lay and everything changed irreversibly forever Up from the grave he arose, 
With a mighty triumph for his foes arose the victor of the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose, the apex of our hope in God, the crown jewel of our faith in the living God. He is not here, he is risen as he said. Can anybody in this building just muster a thank you, Jesus? profoundest fact concerning the living Christ he is risen he is risen indeed and because he lives all right we're going somewhere now and because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I know, I know who holds the future. And I know. He told his disciples, don't touch me because I've been changed. There's a transition. I said, there's a transition. Winging his way back to the pavilions of his father, back to the right hand of power, there to ever intercede for the saints. But just before he left, I will remind you that he said, it is expedient. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the Holy Ghost will not come. But if I go, I will send him unto you the comforter, the paracletos, the one called alongside to help. I can't get no help in here because I'm in the presence of a bunch of Pentecostal people that forgot their penta. Be seated. Be seated. Here's what your Bible said. And you shall receive power. I'm trying to find some power. And you shall receive wonder working. Devil stomping, God exalted, cancer eradicate, power over demons, power over depravity, power over disease, power over sickness, power over Satan, power over sin, wonder working power. After that, the Holy Ghost just come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, I can tell where I'm going to have to go now. Oh, God help me. I can tell. I can tell looking at you. Well, Brother Rod, I received the baptism in the Holy Ghost in 1949. <laughs> and I spoke in tongues. Ta 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 ma ma Take a ride on my hook. Honda. Should have bought a Honda, but about a dog. The real power of Pentecost was not that they spoke with other tongues, you religious bigot. 
the real power of Pentecost was that they were all together. Can you imagine it? 120 of them together in one place, in one accord. They had fallen so head over heels in love with him. They had fallen so head over heels in love with Jesus that nothing mattered. Their food didn't matter. Their jobs didn't matter. Their family didn't matter. He said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. And tarry they would until... You know the only reason to have a body? The only reason to have a body, okay, is to express the life that's in it. I walked around this hallway, I would, people reach out their hand, oh, oh, brother, I just wanted to shake your hand. And I've often wondered, if my hand were severed from my body and put in a shoebox, would you want to shake it? The old folk used to say it this way, if it looks like a duck, if it clucks like a duck, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, if it flies like a duck and swims like a duck, chances are pretty good. It's a duck. And you want me to believe that the same spirit, not a different one, not a faxed copy. The same spirit. Exactly alike in every essential detail and quality. That's what your Bible said. I will send you the paraclete. The one called alongside to help. Exactly the same in every essential detail and quality. If I go away, I will send him unto you. Here's the way the great apostle Paul said it. He said, if that spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, it shall quicken. It shall make alive your mortal body. You want me to believe that the same spirit that invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised to life again the three-day dead body of the Prince of God is alive on the inside of you right now and you've got no shout no joy no smile no dance no victory shout change me yeah. Here's what your Bible said, be not drunk. Ephesians says it, be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be ye filled, shall filled, 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 filled with the Holy Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, where is an excess? Peter said it this way, the, the, those that were dwelling in Jerusalem when the Holy Ghost came, they said, these men are drunken. And he said, no, 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 these men are not drunken on new wine as you suppose, seeing it, but it's nine o'clock in the morning. He said, this is that which was spoken by that Pentecostal prophet Joel. He said, in the last days, says the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and daughters. He didn't say he's going to pour it out on your spirit. He said he's going to pour it out on your flesh. He didn't tell you not to get drunk. He just told you not to get drunk on wine. And then in the very next 
phrase he said but be filled with the Holy Spirit it means to overflowing Uncle Bud Robinson was filled with the Holy Ghost Bezalel got filled with the Holy Ghost to build the temple Peter got filled with the Holy Ghost for signs and wonders Stephen got filled with the Holy Ghost Paul got filled with the Holy Ghost and you want me to believe that you're filled with the Holy Ghost shut let's get drunk now you see, I can tell whether you're filled or not by how drunk you are. Some of you hold your liquor way too well. Slap somebody a high five and say, let's get drunk. I can tell right now some of you are mad. That he's talking about getting drunk in the church. Some wonderful things happen when you get drunk. So I've been told that they tell me that when you get real good and drunk, especially around closing time. Everybody starts looking good. You don't notice that wart on the end of her nose nearly like you did. Bartender! Another round. Somebody needs to get drunk because you can still feel the pain. Somebody... Somebody needs to get drunk because you still got an old complaining spirit. Did you notice when you get good and drunk, everybody looks good? You fall in love with everybody. You didn't, you don't even know people, and you walking up to them in the body saying, you know I love you. I've always loved you. We just met. I know I've loved you all my life. Slap somebody a high five and tell them, I need to get drunk enough to love you. Oh God, I need to get drunk enough to quit criticizing you. I need to get drunk enough that I can no longer look for that speck in your eye because I'm too busy trying to get rid of the beam in my own. I wish I had half a Holy Ghost church in here tonight. Shall let's get drunk. Come on, he didn't send the Holy Ghost so you could sit in some Pentecostal pew somewhere and stagnate. He got you filled with the Holy Ghost so you could get drunk. Let me tell you what's going to happen when the church really gets drunk. It's going to fall in love with the prostitute and the drug addict. And No, you're not drunk enough yet. By this shall they know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. Somebody shout, let's get drunk. Come on, shout it again. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Let that same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwell in me. Shout it one more time. Let's get drunk. 
Now there's nobody worse to get drunk with Nobody worse to go drinking with than a bunch of preachers. Come on. Nobody worse to go drinking with than people that, don't, that are trying not to get drunk. I didn't mean to be talking about you. Some of you show up in church, some of you show up in a great conference like this, and you sit there, that stone face, and you come up in the prayer line, and your shoulders are rigid, and your back is straight, and you got a scowl on your face as if to say, I double dog dare you to try to bless me. Get up and shout. Some of you look like you need a good stiff drink. Turn around and find somebody. Look them right in the eye and say, you need a good stiff drink right now. I can tell. You need a double dose. You need another round. Bartender, send another round. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like, I don't like social drinkers. I don't like social drinkers. You know why? Because they don't get drunk enough to get rid of the hangover. You got folks living in your church, been serving on your deacon board, preaching in your pulpit that look like they are on a perpetual hangover. They're mad at everybody. Their head hurts. They don't like the light. We know you don't like the light. You love darkness because your deeds are evil. You're not listening to me right now. Shout, let's get drunk. Holy Ghost intoxicated. Let's get so drunk that the pain leaves us. Let's get so drunk that the criticizing spirit leaves us. Let's get so drunk that the ridiculing spirit leaves us. Let's get so drunk that we don't care if they're black or white or Hispanic or Jewish or make. I'm feeling just a little bit tipsy. I hope some of you, the Holy Ghost, get so a hold of you that for the next three, do you ever notice when somebody gets drunk, they go to slower, slurring their words? That's about to come on you. I'm tired of a powerless Pentecost. I'm tired of more compromise than conviction. I'm tired of more playboys in the prophet, in the pulpit than prophets. I want to see some power. I want to see the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You know, when you get good and Holy Ghost intoxicated, you go to seeing stuff. Touch so your neighbor and ask them, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? While we look not at things which are seen, I can't get no help in here. I said, why we look not at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. People that are intoxicated see stuff that's not there. That's called seeing in the eyes of faith. I got so drunk in the Holy Ghost one day. He showed me this 5,000 seat tabernacle and I believed it. I saw one day a television camera and I believed it. I I got so much. Lay your hands on your eyes. Say, God, anoint me. Anoint me to see what others can't see. 
You know what else happens when you get good and Holy Ghost intoxicated? You not only start seeing stuff that other people can't see, you start hearing stuff nobody else. Tell somebody right now and tell them I, I've been hearing voices. You're not a bit of fun. I'm going to tell you again. If you get Holy Ghost intoxicated, you'll start hearing voices. The Apostle John was on the island of Patmos, 20 miles off the coast of Ephesus, when he heard behind him the voice of many waters saying, Right, John, for these words are true and faithful. Is there anybody here tonight that needs to hear a word that nobody else has heard? Is there anybody that needs to hear a voice tonight that says, I will be with you when you pass through the flood? What are you hearing? What are you hearing? Oh, Brother Rod, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. What are you hearing that other people can't hear? What are you seeing that nobody else can see? Something happens when, uh, is there a reason y'all are standing up? I was just hoping somebody would say, I can't sit down because it feels like fire shut up in my body. Some stuff happens when you get intoxicated. Did you ever notice folk that get drunk? They always sing. From the jail cell it rang. As Paul and Silas sang, heaven couldn't help but hear their call. Anyone can sing a tune on a clear day at noon. God filled me so strongly to overflowing with the Holy Spirit that I've got a song to sing at midnight when trouble all around is closing in. You want me to believe you're full of the Holy Ghost, but you allow trouble to steal your song. You allow the recession to steal your song. You you allow some of you can't even get a shout right now throw your hands up and shout fill me with the Holy Ghost fill me with the Holy Ghost I've been standing Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Give me another drink. I, I've been depressed. I, I need another drink. I, I've been lonely. I need another drink. I, I can't find my way. I need another drink. I, I can still feel the pain. I need another drink. I, I can't lift up my hands. I, I need another drink. I, I can't forgive them. They did too much to me. I need another drink. I, I need an antiseptic. I, can't get rid of the pornography. I need another drink. I... I've got no joy. I need another drink. I don't love homosexuals. I, I need another drink. I, 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 I got no 
You know, when you get drunk, you ain't afraid of nothing. You fight anything and anybody. You fight for nothing more than the fun of fighting. I have never seen anybody intoxicated run from a fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Give me another drink. The casting down of imaginations. Give me another drink. I'm trying. You know, when you get Holy Ghost intoxicated, you grab anything and use it as a weapon. You get drunk enough, you can defeat the devil with the begets if you hold them just right. You didn't hear what I just said to you. We act like we have no weapons at our disposal and prayer sitting on the floor and we act like we have no weapons and the gifts of the Spirit all around us. We live so naturally and want everybody to believe that we've been endued with power. Shall send another round, bartender. You know, I've worked with folks in rehab and uh, they, one of the first things they do, you go in rehab you know that hand sanitizer? You know, I don't squirt it on your hands. You know, they act like they came up with this marvelous invention. It's just 98% alcohol. Because alcohol is an antiseptic. It will cleanse you. Send a fire, send a wind, send a rain. Shout, let's get drunk! David said, this poor man cried unto the Lord. You get Holy Ghost intoxicated, you get loud. You ever get next, in a, in a hotel room, you ever get put by a bunch of drunks? How many times did you call the front desk? Could you quiet it down? And you want me to believe that you're full of the Holy Ghost. And you've got that old religious spirit in you. There's only one thing wrong with that. It's not scriptural. Clap your hands, all of you people. You don't care how loud you are. You don't care how loud the organ is. You want them to turn it up, shout it up. Somebody shout, somebody dance. 
some of you sitting there with your religious halo so tied on your horns before we get finished tonight you're going to be the very one dancing on a tabletop with a lampshade on your head somebody shout let's get drunk send another round I'm going to give you this. You don't want it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Did you ever notice that an old drunk has an odor? Come on, tell on yourself. You ever notice an old drunk? Listen, listen, listen. I, I know I'm having some fun with you, but I can tell you tonight that what's happening in you is greater than what's happening to you. I can tell you that right now the blessed Holy Spirit of God is looking for an emptied vessel. He wants to cleanse you by the power of the Holy Ghost. He wants to get the pain out of your body. He wants to get the critical spirit out of your heart. Listen to me. You can smell an old drunk a mile away. And some of y'all don't smell right. I'm going to tell you again, you don't smell right. You don't smell right. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me, for he, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He's coming, he's here, he's here, he's here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. That word anoint means to paint with a fragrance that attracts the favor. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.